In Matthew 25, verses 1 to 13. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of the virgins were foolish and five were wise. When the foolish ones took their lamps, they did not take extra oil with them, but the wise ones took flasks of oil with their lamps. When the bridegroom was delayed for a long time, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. But at midnight there was a shout, Look, the bridegroom is here. Come out and meet him. Then all the virgin woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, because our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there won't be enough for you, for you and for us. Go instead to those who sell oil and buy some for yourself. But while they had gone to buy it, the bridegroom arrived. And those who were ready went inside with him to the wedding banquet. When Then the door was shut. Later the other virgins came too, saying, Lord, Lord, let us in. But he replied, I tell you the truth, I do not know you. Therefore, stay alert, because you do not know the day or the hour. Thank you. There was, uh, Rachel shared something this morning, which um, actually encouraged me with tonight, to do with part of this, because do you realize time's running out? Rachel was sharing this morning about, uh, and how she's, actually Rachel's been on for a few weeks now about the fact of us going out and uh, actually spreading this gospel just out of this church and not just be around here. And what spoke to me about this um, particular passage when I first read it earlier in this week was the fact of complacency. And that's something that we can all be guilty of. We can get complacent in our lives. And the church can come, become complacent as well. And the complacency comes out of, if you like, a different area to what I was speaking about this morning. I was talking about Joseph this morning and his journey, and he ended up in prison for a couple of years, and it was a, a long journey to the end of a, a prophetic dream that he had for it to be fulfilled. He could have got really disillusioned and said, I give up. I'm sure some of us have felt like that. Complacency is the other end of it, that we're too comfortable. Um, Kumbalali here, I've heard him say a few times that God wants us to get out of our comfort zone. And I think that can be true in different ways because our comfort zone is different for different people. But we can get very comfortable. We can get very comfortable in our lives and we can get very comfortable in our church and not realize that actually we should be pushing on. Now, these five virgins who didn't take any extra oil along with them, the one thing was kind of thing is they hadn't thought far enough ahead. They were just kind of thinking about, well, if I take this amount, I'll be all right, and weren't really that bothered, if you like. The other five had decided, well, we'd better be prepared. We'd better be ready. We don't know what's coming. And that's what we need to be. We need to be ready. We don't know what's coming. The other thing I very much get out of this story, and again, it's something I, I think most of us have seen in one way or another, where um, people, and we've got to be careful, we don't do it, we rely on others. We think that if what I haven't got, they'll give me. But our salvation and our walk with God is nobody's responsibility except ours. We all have a responsibility as God leads us to be able to help and to help other people and help them move on and as God gifts us, we're supposed to use those gifts for the church. But 
ultimately, we are not going to get to God's throne and say, well, it's his fault he didn't tell me. It's her fault because she didn't help me enough. It's somebody else's fault because they didn't preach the gospel properly. If somebody doesn't speak and teach properly, they are going to be answerable. Scripture tells us, don't be too eager to teach because actually you're going to be judged harder than somebody who doesn't do it. But it's our responsibility, each one of us, to make sure that what, is, that what we're taking in is correct. It's up to you to check what I say to you or what Keith says to you or anybody else. It's your responsibility. I think most of us today use a lot of technology. And the God I know, he takes excuses away from us. And that's an excuse that I think he's taken away in this day and age, particularly in the wealthier countries. We've got no excuse for not being able to find things, whether it's on the internet or Bible programs, on your phones or whatever, that can help you understand the Bible. So he's actually taking excuses away from us. He's saying, this stuff's there, use it. I know years ago with some of this technology started being used in churches, some churches objected to it. Oh, this is not right, you know, this is not of God, we should carry on using our Bibles and this, that, the other. No, we should use it because actually it does make it easier for people to be able to get the information and to be able to have a look to see whether actually what they're thinking is, whether it's correct or whether it isn't. It must never be misused. It should never be used so that we use it as an excuse to get things to say what we want it to say. We should be always looking for the truth. But we are responsible for our own journey. But within that, and I think this is the, the one difference, if you like, with the church to a lot of other organizations you can think of, that it's a, we're a corporate body. There's a one body of Christ, but it's made up of individuals. So actually, all of us affect each other's lives in different ways. So we have a corporate responsibility towards each other. So we need to be prepared. The church needs to be prepared. We need to be actually thinking about the future and moving into it. This passage is part of what Jesus was doing to tell people that we don't know when the time is that he's coming back. And if you think in some ways there's a kind of a contradiction because one minute they're waiting, the next minute actually it's happened. So one group of people are caught out because it took a lot longer than they thought. Now we've all probably heard many times of people saying Jesus is going to come back soon. Well they've been saying that since whatever, year 60 or something, I don't know. You could probably go all the way back. We don't know, that's the whole point, but we are supposed to be ready. And within this as well, what we're supposed to be doing, because we don't know when Jesus is coming back, he could come back any minute, any time, we need to be getting this word out there. There's less and less time for other people to come to Christ and to find him as we found him. Now, we kind of got around to this conversation a bit at Keith's house a bit today, that just because you don't feel capable of evangelizing on the street or speaking to somebody personally does not mean that you can't get behind somebody who is. If somebody's gifted in evangelism, we can get behind them and encourage them and be there and be with them and support them. So nobody's got an excuse for not helping out. If we're not gifted in a certain area, we can help the people who are gifted in that area. 
And actually, numbers do make a difference. And actually, a lot of witnessing is just by the fact of us and our attitudes and who we are and people see us. So actually, it, it becomes a, a, a body at work again, if you like. But there is an urgency about this. There's an urgency that we actually do need to be pushing on. We mustn't be sitting back and thinking, well, Jesus is not coming today, we're all right till tomorrow. Because we don't know. We've got no idea. In Galatians 6, 4 and 5, it says this, but let each one test his own work and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor, for each will have to bear his own load. I can't stand here and boast in Keith's work. You can't stand, sit there and boast in somebody else's work. Bex can't boast in Paul's work, even though they're going to get married. God is asking us to do what we're supposed to be doing and telling us that not to boast in the wrong way, but we can boast in the work that God does through us because we're connected with him. He doesn't want us. You hear people turning around and saying, oh, this great preacher or whatever, and they're following him. When I first became a Christian, we kept getting invited to um, things. I can't remember their names now, but there was a, a group of people going around the country at the time. And we kept meeting people who go from one place to the other to the other and just to follow them. And actually they were preaching the same thing in each meeting they went. And they were boasting in this person's works. Well, what good's that? What were they doing? That person was doing what they were supposed to and probably encouraged people and built them up. But those people were doing nothing. They were just following them. So we need to be taking our own load. We all have to bear our own load. God's got things for all of us to do, and he wants us to do them. In 2 Corinthians 5.10, it says this, For we must all appear before the judgment seat for Christ, so that each one may be paid back according to what he has done while in the body, whether good or evil. So we're all answerable to Christ. There's going to be a judgment day. And that judgment day, we're not going to be able to say it's that person's fault, it's somebody else's fault. And I think actually one of the questions we're going to be asked is God's going to say, what have you done? It's not being necessarily whether it's good or bad. He's going to turn around and say, what have you done? And we're going to have to give an answer to that. And actually, I feel quite a lot of the times I haven't done enough. When I look back on my life, I think to myself, I wished I'd done this and I wish we'd done more. And you think, part of you thinks, well, actually, have we done just what God wanted us? Or have we just done what we were willing to do at that time? The next scripture is uh, Galatians 6 9. Now, I, I have to chuckle a little bit about this because this was spoken this morning. And I just took this as a confirmation of what we're talking about tonight. And it says this, and let us not grow weary of doing good, for on due season we will reap if we do not give up. And this goes back a bit to what I was preaching a bit about this morning. It's the fact that we've got to persevere. Sometimes it seems as though we're getting nowhere, and sometimes it feels as though everything's against us, and we're just getting tired. But we've got to persevere in it. We've got to keep going forward. Because we will reap. There will be a, a season to reap if we're doing what God is asking us to do. So we mustn't give up. We've got to keep 
pushing into things, keep pushing forward, keep stretching out. Right. What does anybody do when they're cold? Sorry? You do something, don't you? Or do you just stay cold? Yeah, you make, a, make an effort to do, yeah, get warm somewhere or other. What do you do if you get too hot? Sorry? Yeah? Again, you do something, don't you? And it's took me till tonight to kind of work out the scripture I'm going to use now because actually it's kind of bothered me a little bit in the sense I thought, actually, I, this doesn't quite make sense. But it does. And it says in Revelations 3, 15 and 16, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm... I'm neither hot nor cold. I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. I'm sure none of us want to actually hear this. This is, a, this is one of the uh, scriptures to one of the churches in Revelations. And you think, well, surely lukewarm's nice. You know, that's kind of better than being cold. It's better than being too hot. I don't like it too hot. and I don't like it too cold. So probably suit me. But the truth is, we come back to this thing again. That's a place of complacency. If we're too cold, if we're in a church, if this church is too cold, I believe that actually some of us would be saying, we've got to do something about this. If this church was going downhill, there'd be somebody in here or people in here that God would be really pushing and they're saying, we've got to do something about this. So it makes us move on. If we're too hot, actually, that's probably good, but you've got to be a bit careful of it because that's, if you like, it's when a church can go over the top and actually you can frighten some people away. This, these are just my examples. You may think of something different. But actually, lukewarm means, again, we're in this comfort zone, which we need to actually consider we need to get out of. And lukewarm is usually a dangerous place because what happens if you're lukewarm is you get so complacent you stay there, in the end, actually, everything disappears. Because as people may leave for one reason, of a church anyway, if people leave for one reason or another, uh, people may die, all sorts of things, move on somewhere else. The church is just going to reduce and reduce and reduce in numbers. And actually, I should imagine you could look, at a back, look back over a lot of churches' history where they have closed down, and that's what's happened. As the church has decreased, they've carried on in the same vein in this lukewarmness and gone nowhere because actually they were doing nothing. So it's a danger area. It's too comfortable, and we need to think about it. Are we lukewarm? And it's same, the same again personally with us. Am I going to this church, this meeting, just because I'm comfortable there? Or am I going there because actually I want to move on with God and there's something more for me? Am I going there to actually learn something? Am I going there to teach somebody something? Am I going there to do some of God's work somehow to assist somebody? Or am I just going there because it's comfortable and I can say I'm going to church on a Sunday or I'm going to this meeting in the week? So actually I understand this scripture better than I thought I did in my mind and how I feel about it because actually lukewarm is a danger area. It's somewhere you don't really want to be. 
Again, if we're cold, we're going to do something about it. If the church is cold, I believe, anyway. If it's hot, well, just be a bit careful it doesn't get too hot. Lukewarm, not a good place to be. Hebrews 6, 1 to 3. Therefore, we must progress beyond the elementary instructions about Christ and move on to maturity, not laying this foundation again, repentance from dead works and faith in God, teaching about baptisms, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this is what we intend to do if God permits. I like that. I like that last bit because, again, there's a, I, I've heard this actually spoken about. People, we've got to move on. We should not, no, this is not where we're supposed to be. But actually, some people are still there because of the fact they haven't moved on. Or some people are there because actually they do not understand some of the basics. So the piece at the end where it says, if God permits, again, is, is a good thing to hear. But we should be looking to move on. Again, I can think, and, and I think, again, all of us can kind of feel a bit like it at the time. We can come to salvation, we can get baptized, and we think, great, that's it. Is it? There's far more out there. There's far more that God wants us to do, and there's far more to be involved in. I always have a chuckle when people cannot understand um, why we do things in the church. Um, Catherine told her brother how long we spent, at, uh, spent up here the other day. It was 14 hours between the time we left home and the time we got back home. And uh, um, there was, a, was it a comment? Did he say about p- being paid for it or something? Yeah. And Cass said no. And we can't understand this. Why? Why? Because we want to serve God. It's great. It's great being with his people. It's great seeing God work in people's lives. There's nothing better there's people out there now, bank holiday, great, we'll have great fun. Actually, it's great fun being with God's people. And, I, I, and you, it's something actually you can't really explain because actually until they come to Christ and actually find out what it's truly like and what it's all about, you can't explain it completely. But again, that's what we need to do. We need to be trying to encourage other people. We all need to encourage each other here. Whatever we can't do ourselves and don't believe that we're gifted in doing, We've got to help other people move on. But don't be misled by this, because actually you can all do far more than you ever think you can do, because it's not by our power, it's by Christ's power. So actually what we need confidence in is the fact that Christ can do what we can't. And that's what we've got to grasp hold of. And we've got to move on within that. We've got to get beyond the base basics that we've learnt a long time ago, most of us. The last scripture I want to use here is John 15 verse 5, because again, I think this, if we can remember this, it can help us so much in what we're trying to do for God and what we, when we struggle with things. And it says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him bears much fruit. Because apart from me, you can accomplish nothing. So let's just turn that a little bit. We can do nothing without Christ. You can't please Christ by doing anything of yourself. 
You've got to do it within Christ and as he wants. But if we're actually trying to keep ourselves implanted in Christ, as we should be, so we're seeking God's will all the time and keeping ourselves in that place where we're supposed to be and keep trying our best to keep there, God can use us. Again, this doesn't say that you may bear fruit. It doesn't say there's a possibility. It's a positive statement. It says you will bear much fruit. I think it's time we started to believe it. I think all of us need to grasp hold of it. I know I do. Quite often I've got to remember that all I've got to do is stay in Christ and actually he will do the rest. So let's not be like these uh, five virgins who weren't prepared. Let's be prepared. And as a corporate body, as a church, let's the church be prepared. Again, there's another scripture I haven't got on here, but it says about preaching the gospel in season and out of season. And that often speaks to me of the fact that actually we've got to be ready at all times so we may not feel it's right, not feel it's the right time, but actually it is. Just because we don't think it's the season, God's saying, yes it is, it's always the season to preach his word and to preach it in full. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you so much for your word and I thank you, Lord, that you don't just give us your word, you give us your Holy Spirit to understand it. And Lord, I ask you to help all of us here, Lord, to understand your word in full and then actually put it into action, Lord. And help us, Lord, not to get complacent about anything in our lives to do with you. Help us always to be searching you out and seeing what you want us to do, Lord, and to move on in those areas, Lord. And help us to help each other in those things. In Jesus' name, amen.